Ladies and gentlemen, life's all about seizing opportunities. You need to be present, you need to be engaging, and you need to learn to take chances. The wedding industry is no different, and you only get one chance to create the perfect day. Welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is AJ Cruz, and you're listening to The Perfect Day Show. I am your host, and the one thing that you guys didn't get a chance to see off camera was just the fact that I completely forgot to start recording, which this happens too often for me. But, Audra, I want to say thank you so much for being a team player, for being a trooper. What I said in the previous intro, which I thought was amazing, was I was really hyping up Audra. I said, Audra, you're an amazing human being. You're one of a kind. You're unique. And you created this awesome beast of a wedding company called Dream Big Events, which I'm super, super excited about to talk to you more about. But I want to take care of some housekeeping really, really quick. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, all I ask for you guys is that you share the podcast. It's massive that, you know, we don't run ads. We don't, we don't try and make money off of this podcast, but it is a community. It is an outlet for creatives and for wedding couples to learn more about the wedding industry and business in general. And so what I ask from you guys is just to share this podcast, send it to one, two, three friends, maybe your grandma, whoever it is, send it to them and share this podcast because we want to grow and leave a rating five stars, preferably, but <laughs> Audra, I want to talk to you. I want to learn more about you and your business. Yeah. So if you could give us like an origin story of, you know, how Audra Pierce became who she is. Um, in the industry itself, how I got here, I think is I started out a lot of the same as most wedding planners. I always joke that my my profession found me. I wasn't really looking for it. Um, when I got married at the tender age of 19, I married my high school sweetheart. He was in the Marine Corps. And it was when, um, back in the day, that sounds, that makes me sound so old. Um, back then in 2003, um, the war in Iraq had just started and there was very little to no communication um, we were old school. We wrote letters back and forth. And so to get his opinion on things he liked about a wedding and things he didn't want to do at a wedding was really, really difficult. And because I so badly wanted his input, I planned six different versions of our one wedding day. And then when I would get to talk to him, it was kind of like a, well, here's everything I have. So just pick one. Um, and so I kind of went overboard, maybe hyper planned everything. Um, and that's kind of how it evolved. You know, I, my education, I'm very, very thankful to have a spouse who supports me. Um, my education in the wedding industry, I was, I started um, when I was 18 training and going to a career school to just kind of learn the basics. I couldn't afford schooling on my own. And so one year for Christmas, my then husband paid for my entire education. And that was my Christmas gift. So he, he has been 100% behind me all of the way. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how things evolved and, and became what they are today. Absolutely. That's amazing. I think it's really important, especially, um, not just like obviously in our industry, but just like in the, in the industry of like wanting to start a business and like, especially now, right? Like having your significant other have like the unconditional support aspect is super important. I mean, cause like, I feel like in this industry, you hear people say, well, like you're the only person that you need, like you're, you're the only person that you need to believe in yourself. Right. Like, but it certainly helps to have a team behind you that believes absolutely. in you too. Absolutely. Like, I always say that as an entrepreneur and that covers a pretty wide 
base of industries, right? If people knew what it actually took to become an entrepreneur and to build a business of your own, I don't know that anybody would do it ahead of jumping off that cliff. Yeah. No, because like, I mean, I think from the outside perspective, it looks like it's all sunshine and rainbows, right? Like it looks oh, like. Oh yeah, you get to be your own boss and you get yeah. to do what you want to. And if you want to work in your jammies, you sure can. There's yeah. so much more to it than just that. Oh, 100%. Everyone wants a CEO title, but no one wants to be a CEO, right? Oh, amen. So that's the one thing that I've noticed. I mean, when I jumped in, I was like, I think I was a little bit ambitious, like coming into it. Cause I was like, Oh, this is going to be so awesome. And then you really get into the thick of things and like, you really see who's like the cream of the crop and who's like really willing to do it and who's not. Right. And so like, that's oh, one thing sure. that, that's one thing that I noticed when I jumped into like the business world was I was like, wow, there's a lot to this. Cause you're not just the CEO, you're the bookkeeper, you know, you're the, you're the service provider, you're everything in that business. You're the sales starts. department. You, you cover everything. And so, like I said before, if, if, if even knowing the little bit that, that I knew about being my own boss and being an entrepreneur and kind of jumping, make, taking that final step and, and really becoming what I ha- have today. Um, you know, I, I knew it was going to be hard. I was super excited about it and I was pretty amped up about it, but you know, a lot of three and 4 a.m. mornings just working on website development and, you know, sales structure and all of those things. Wow. If I, if I had known how many of those being in early to bed and early and late to rise kind of a person, I don't know that I would have necessarily done all of that right out of the, out of the gate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me. So you went from planning six of your own weddings, hypothetical weddings, just, just to say that hypothetical, like these are, these are things that could happen. You presented them to your now husband and now you're doing some massive events for your own company called dream big events. Can you talk to us about, you know, like the scale of the company and talk to us more about what you guys do now and what you guys specialize in now? So a lot of things that I do now, um, you know, our, I have been in this industry for a little over 12 years. Dream Big Events has been a company for almost seven years. And so it's really grown leaps and bounds from where I I was, if that makes any sense. When I first started out, I had the education I needed, but I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. So, you know, a lot of things, you just kind of wing it um, when you're first getting your feet wet. But now... We, I really, really try to focus on my client and their overall experience and the experience that their guests are going to have. So not only do I do weddings, but I also do private celebrations, um, engagements, anniversary dinners. Um, and then I also work for corporate and nonprofits as well. So we do a lot of galas. Um, I have one client specifically, we're doing nine events for this nonprofit this year, just to really amp up their fundraising goals. Their very first gala was in 2019, got a forget that last year, right? Was in 2019 and they raised at their very first gala ever, they raised over $40,000. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Obviously 2020 didn't quite go the way anybody wanted it to. So we, we held off on our fundraising goals that year. Um, And then this year, like I said, we've just got, we have some huge goals to meet. So I'm really excited about where that's going. When it comes to weddings, I really try to focus, like I said before, on my clients. We talk a lot about design. Um, we talk a lot about the overall experience and how that is going to look on the back end for their guests. You really want that guest to come in and have that experience and that full submersion 
in the overall experience. And so we really try to focus on the design aspect for them. A lot of our clients are what I call destination to the Midwest clients. They are people who grew up here, born and raised in the Midwest and have moved on to, I'm sure what they felt at the time were greener pastures, right? They've gone off to Chicago and Georgia and Florida where it's a heck of a lot warmer. Um, California, those types of places, but they want to come back home to get married. Their families are still here. These are kind of their roots. And so they're planning from all over the country, but they need that advocate for them here in Nebraska. And so I tend to take on that role very, very quickly. We get to know our clients, they become like family to me. And so really speaking on their behalf and finding the best options for them in rock star vendors and beautiful pastures and gorgeous venues and those types of things is, is really where I like to focus. So for weddings, it's more there. And then, like I said before, when it comes to like our corporate clients or our nonprofit clients, they're really more of a passion project for me. I only take on nonprofits that I have a real passion for. And so in that way, I'm able to not only represent my client, but I can really get behind the message that we're trying to share throughout the year. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you said, so you said, um, a big thing for you is being able to focus on the client and being able to like service them well. Right. So talk to me a little bit and talk to like, like potential wedding couples who listen to this or even like, um, business owners, right. How do you, how do you do that? Cause I think every couple company does it differently. How do, how do you, how do you focus on your clients? So I'll kind of walk you through what it looks like when we meet with a brand new client and how that relationship develops. Okay. So when we first meet with a client, I always tell my clients, I'm a very straightforward, blunt and honest person. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because we all have to know that you're spending a lot of money on this one day. And I want to make sure that they are not only educated through the process, but that they understand I'm being fully honest with them and the possibilities and the potential for their wedding day. Right. So we sit down and we go through a four page consultation form and really just get all of the nitty gritty details. What does your dream day look like? What are you really afraid of happening? What's stressing you out the most about the idea of having to plan this wedding day? And then from there, I can kind of plan ahead in what goals we need to accomplish, whether it's, uh, like I said before, for some of our out-of-state clients, they may only get to come back to Nebraska two or three times before their wedding day. And we've got months worth of planning to do. So in that particular example, I will plan in very large chunks. I always tell them, you know, if you're coming back to visit family, plan a three-day trip, but plan for one of those days to be my day. You're going to spend the whole day with me. We're going to knock out your big five. You're going to knock out your venue. You're going to knock out your photographer. You're going to knock out the DJ. We're going to talk about design. Like we're going to do a lot that day and come hungry because if we can knock out catering, we're going to eat great food all day long. So it's just things like that where really customizing the services that I provide for those clients. Yes, it's basically broke down into direction and coordination, full planning services and design, but within those particular services, you still have to customize it to what your clients need. And I think that's how I start to develop such an intimate relationship with my clients. I have several clients who've become very good friends after the wedding is over. We still hang out. We, you know, we'll go out for drinks or whatever. Um, and so that becomes very, very important to me to make sure that their experience works for them. You have some clients who are more A-type personality. They can really just, the planning thing, they've got it down, but the stressful part is the, you know, the direction towards the end. 
And so for those particular clients, we really try to give them the service that I feel they most need. I'm not going to upsell them something that they don't need. I don't want to waste their time or their money. So again, like I said, very honest, very straightforward on the services that I can provide to them and what I think they really need. I have some clients who come in thinking, you know, I, I just need direction, but the idea of making a decision just sends them into a tailspin. And so for those particular clients, I'm like, you know, a full planning, if, if it works in your budget, a full planning service is not a bad idea because there's a little more hand-holding. We walk a little more hand-in-hand -hand with our clients throughout the entire process so that they don't get overwhelmed. Absolutely. And I think that the amount of clients, right, is unique to you too, right? Because that also helps you with how you service your clients. Can you talk on the amount of clients that you take on and why that's so unique? Right. So for me, I... I choose to set my pricing and to be able to service my clients in the best way possible. I'm very limited on the amount of clients I will take in a year. So for us, I typically don't do more than 12 weddings a year and that's max. I'll only take on a certain number of those of that 12. I'll only take on a certain number of full planning clients versus the number of coordination clients that I'll take on. So I really, really try to limit the amount of events I do a year. Um, I believe that 12 kind of breaks down in that I'll only take on four to five full planning clients in a year. The rest of those are made up of coordination, design services, that type of thing. Because I want to give the best of myself to each one of those clients, no matter what service they've purchased. I want to make sure that I'm giving them the best version of me every single day. And if I'm doing 50, 60, 70, 150 weddings a year, I can't do that. I'm not saying that other wedding professionals can't. There are some that are fully equipped to take on 160 events a year. I choose not to because I also know my limits. Absolutely. I think knowing your limits is massive. That's I think super. it's key. Super, super, super important. So um, I'm, I want to do this and I want to use this as an opportunity to put this out there on social media and for us to kind of put, both put this out there is, um, you know, being newly engaged myself, um, the wedding planning process. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, the wedding planning process, like I was always a part of it, right? So being a videographer, a photographer, that was always, I was always this slice of the pie, right? And so that was all I had to worry about. But now actually having to worry about the wedding planning and like the venue, the catering, um, you know, choosing our colors, like all that stuff. There's a lot that goes into it. I feel like can be really, really overwhelming for a wedding couple, like super overwhelming de depending on the personality. It is. It definitely is. And the last thing you want when you're going from going from that wedding professional side to being the actual engaged couple, the last thing you want, and I think this is true for any couple is that you don't want the planning process to ruin the relationship that started this all off in the first place. It can turn into its own little, like that planning process can turn to, into its own little green monster that nobody wants to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you talk us through like, if you could give us, if you give like wedding couples, so you're speaking to wedding couples right now, if you could give them a rough skeleton of what the process looks like from the first thing that you get until the last thing that you get, just so that that way they have an idea of what it would look like. Can you, can you talk us through that a little bit? Are you talking about like what I specifically do? Yeah. Yeah. 
Sure. So like I said before, we'll do, we'll go through the consultation and it's a lot of questions that I ask and it's a lot of listening. Um, if I have additional questions that have, you know, developed out of that, then I'll ask those questions as well. But then from there, you know, we kind of base that comp based off of the questions that I ask, that really allows me to say, okay, you really fit better into this category over here, or, you know, you've got a little more to take on a 600 person wedding is a lot to do right now. Let's look at more of a full planning service. And then from there, we start to really break down, okay, what are the needs? What are the tangible items that we need? What are the vendors we still need? Because for a, a client that is more, um, like a direction or coordination client, they may not need as many vendors. They may come to me with a lot of their vendors already booked, which is fine. And so from that, you know, I'll, I'll ask those probing questions of, okay, you've got these vendors. Is there anybody that you still need? Where for our full planning clients, it's a lot more broken down. Like I mentioned before, we'll start with, you know, those top four or five wedding vendors, the venue, um, the catering, the DJ, the photography and or videography, and then design. We start to kind of get into those rentals and florals and, and that type of stuff as well. And then from there, let's say they're an out-of-state client and they're not as familiar with the number of photographers that we have in here or here in Nebraska. I'll break that down and say, okay, I've really gotten to know this client. Um, I know that their style really meshes well with maybe these three or four photographers. I'll reach out to those three or four photographers, find out what their availability looks like. Um, and I kind of, you know, I have some questions for them as well. What's your availability? What's your pricing structure look like? Um, are you available for this date? Um, trying to think of one of the other ones. Oh, and then I always get like a link to their portfolio or something like that. And I, I create a spreadsheet for my clients and I send it off to them and say, okay, these are the three or four photographers that fit into your budget. This is what their pricing looks like. This is what their packages look like. This is what they offer. Everybody's available. And then I send that to my client and I say, okay, take a look at these, at these three or four photographers, be sure to look at their portfolio, go through their, their style, make sure it really does mesh well with what you like. And then based off of that, um, I think one of the things that kind of sets me apart and why I have such a great relationship with some of the wedding professionals in this industry and in this area is that they know that when I'm calling them, I'm calling them for a contract. I'm not calling to date them. I'm not calling to, you know, feel them out or anything like that. I'm calling to give them money. And so that for me creates a stronger relationship with those vendors because they know I'm not, I'm not just sending them referrals that may or may not turn into business. When I'm bringing them a client, I'm bringing them a client who wants to sign a contract. And so that kind of makes the planning process easier, I feel like, on our clients because they don't have to research all of these different vendors to make it, to then try and pick who they think might. Because that's, I mean, to me, that seems like a lot of a gamble. Yeah. yeah. I don't like to gamble. So for me, if I can make that process easy, why not? So then, you know, they, they choose their vendors and, and we get it all booked. And so that I feel like really takes out of the, well, which photographer do you like? Well, which photographer do you like? Kind of a situation. It's more of these are the people Audra says are, are the best options we've got. They fit. They're not going to rob us or leave us high and dry let's do it. And so it, it tends to make that process itself a lot quicker. Um, a lot of my clients find that the hardest part is that there are months where they just don't have anything to do. 
it's a lot more relaxing. They're expecting it to be super stressful and have to make all of these decisions all the time. And because of our planning process, there's a lot of months where it's like, nope, just chill. You're good. We're all good. Mm. So that's kind of nice. Absolutely. I think so for me and being in this industry and having the opportunity to talk with different wedding planners is the one thing I've learned about because I, I didn't know much about them. Right. You know, um, as a videographer, I was always focused on the video side of things, but learning more about wedding planners and what they do and what they have to offer. Like it really makes that super appealing just to know that, you know, you have a professional who's been doing this for a while who takes away the qualifying aspect that you have to do as like a wedding couple. So when you reach out to photographers or videographers or DJs or caterers or whatever it is, as a wedding couple, you're qual- you're, you have to qualify them, which is something that most typically all wedding couples never have to do in their entire life. So while they're wedding planning, they have to sit here and learn how to qualify somebody to even make sure that they are a good fit for their own wedding, which is stressful in itself. And so what you guys do is you 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 take that stress away by you already have your network of photographers and videographers and who are like all these vendors that you already know who are already qualified and you have the experience of qualifying them for these couples. So you already know their budget, what they're looking for, um, the, the personalities. And so you're just plugging and playing, okay, these people would be good for this couple. These DJs would be good for this couple. And then you offer them basically the perfect package built in for them. Right. Right. Exactly. It, it really takes a lot of the stress off of the planning process. Cause like you were saying, it's think of walking into a bank and having to qualify for a loan, right? That banker goes through a lot of steps to get you qualified and nothing makes me sweat more than having to go into the bank to like buy a car or to buy a house. That alone just makes me uncomfortable. Like even thinking about it, we're here, a wedding couple is having to do that five, six, seven, eight times over qualifying, making sure that the vendors that they're choosing are going to, you know, really fit in what they need, that the budget works. Those numbers are something we're looking at constantly as a planner. You know, it's really, for me, it's really about managing the expectations and also making sure that my clients go into it with the best possible outcome without additional stress. Absolutely. And so that, that, I mean, that's kind of how I break it down. I feel like anyone who is listening to that needs to go back 30 or 40 seconds, take notes, re-record that, save it, and then walk, like watch it again and just, just keep watching that. Cause that was awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. Absolute flames, Audra. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> So talk to me. I have I have a more of a more of like a a deep thought question for you. But can you talk to me about? Um, so you, how long have you been doing this? First of all, so I've been in the industry for about twelve years. I've had my own company for seven, um, and that kind of that little gap in there for about a year and a half, two years. I was just trying to figure out like, okay, I want to I want to start a business as a wedding planner, but what does that look like? Um, I can tell you the very first wedding I ever did was just off of the Platte River the summer that it flooded. Oh, man. Talk about pull your hair out moment. We had plans A through D, and I was very happy that we only had to get through. I know we had plans A through E, and we only had to get to plan C before we were like, oh, wait, sweet. This works fine. (laughs) So that was really nice. But we had, we had more contingency plans than I think I've ever had to have for an event in my very first wedding. 
That is wild. But those are the perks of having a wedding planner. I mean, that's why I was there. <laughs> I love that. So, so 12 years, um, just over the course of that time, you know, there are things that, I mean, I know in the past six months about business that I don't even, I don't believe today. Right. But talk to me, what is, what is something that you believed when you were first starting in business that today you no longer believe? So, hmm, that's a really good question. Thank you. I would think, and I, I think it, again, just kind of goes back to that idea of being an entrepreneur or being my own boss is, is the dream life. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade what I've built and what I have for anything. But I think that the initial entrepreneurial dream and the initial idea of having my own business, everybody's, you know, basis for wanting to do it is that they're going to have a lot more time to themselves. They're going to be in control of their calendar and they're going to have so much more time to spend with their kids, with their family, um, those types of things. Don't get me wrong. I would not trade my business for anything. However, I spend a lot of time working on my business and I've had to miss out on things just because I work for myself. Doesn't mean I've got a lot more free time. I'll bet I spend more hours working on my business now than I did when I worked a full-time job, 40 hours a week. I easily dump in 60 plus hours a week without even batting an eye. Now it's not to say that there aren't times that I have other weeks where I'm like, wow, this is like a vacation. I don't have anything to do. feels really weird, but it far outweighs that's far outweighed by the amount of time that I spend working on my business because it's a passion. I am very passionate about what I do, even in those seasons when we kind of, the wedding industry is unique in that it really ebbs and flows when it's busy. It's really busy. But when it's slow, it's really slow. And so I feel like even in those times when it's really, really slow and you've got that mindset of, okay, how am I going to pay? How am I going to pay the bills next month? Kind of a situation, right? Um, I'm still incredibly passionate about what I'm doing. And I know that there's going to be a positive side, right? I mean, granted now, 12 years in, I don't really have those big ebbs and flows anymore because you're prepared for that lower time of the season where when I first started some of those er those early early years those hills and valleys were really really rough absolutely absolutely um you mentioned like you were like the the financial aspect of being an entrepreneur you were like I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna be able to pay my bills right so I just got done reading this book and so I don't know if you follow my personal Instagram account or like what, but I just posted it on my social media because I just fell in love with it. And it was like the universal law of attraction as far as like money goes. Right. And it talked, it talked about, um, the idea that, you know, if you accept, and it doesn't, it's not just money, it's happiness, success, whatever it is, um, comfort. And it's like the idea that if you just accept that what is or what can be will be, then like, you'll be fine. Right. So like take money, for example. So say you're walking down the street and you're with your friend. And this is an example that was in the book. So say you're walking down the street, you're with your friend and you see a penny on the side of the road. Some people would just brush that penny off as, Oh, that's just somebody dropped that, whatever. And then they keep walking people who are well in tuned with what they want out of life. They look at that penny and they say, Oh, that's the universe giving me 
what I, what I'm in tune with, what I want, which is money. So you pick that penny up, you put it in your pocket. A few days later, you see a dollar bill on the ground. And it's the idea that as you become more in tune with what you want, as you become more aware of what you want, then you'll be able to get what you want. And the universe will eventually start to give you that. And the more you accept it, the more it gives. And so that goes with anything. And like, this is kind of like an off to the side tangent, but you just mentioned like the idea of like having, you know, there were some days when it was, it was tough to pay bills and it just like triggered this thought in me that I just really wanted to share what, which is like the idea that, you know, what you want and what you believe that you can get, you will get. It's just a matter of accepting that into your life. And so I think, like I said, I think that applies with money. I think that applies with happiness. I would agree. I think it applies to a lot of different areas. It's it's kind of that mindset of speaking things into existence. Going back to, you know, being in the wedding industry, I think it would be amazing to plan an event or plan a wedding in Ireland. That's like my dream scenario. I speak that into existence every single year. It's on my inspiration boards. It's the screensaver on my phone is is this beautiful area in Ireland like I, I want to do an event in Ireland or by God, I at least want to travel there. And so every year I'm always, you know, that's always in my inspiration is that I want to do something um, abroad specifically in Ireland, just because I'm from Ireland. My um, ancestry is in Ireland. So I think that would be amazing, but no, I completely agree with you. There's, there's definitely something to be said for speaking things into existence. I think also sometimes I was actually just listening to, um, another podcast where she was talking about speaking things into existence and you got to be careful what you wish for when you're wishing for, you know, that, that downtime and that real opportunity to look within. And then you get a year like 2020, you're like, Ooh, Ooh, I don't know that I wanted to see what I saw when I looked within for an entire year. So got to be careful what you wish for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you have, you have a goal to go to Ireland. And I think that to like, obviously that comes, like I said, with accepting the smaller things first before the the universe finally delivers that, that, that big wedding that you want out of Ireland is like, if somebody out of, you know, Des Moines, Iowa is like, Hey, we have this big wedding. We want you guys to plan. You take it. Then somebody out of Colorado says, Hey, we have a wedding out here. And you know, um, like, I don't, I can't even think of a city, Denver, whatever, Denver, Colorado. Hey, we want you to plan this, Sadra. You take it. And then as you continue to accept those into your life, somebody from Ireland's like, Hey, we have this destination wedding in Ireland. Do you want to plan that? Right. Uh, Yes, please. And you know, as much as there's a lot of truth in what you said, there's also that aspect of making sure that you're a good fit with that client. I know you and I've talked about this before, just because somebody in Des Moines was like, we really want you to do this wedding. That's great. But if you and I don't mesh well together, spending the next year planning an event together is going to be miserable. So I think there's a lot, um, kind of that pre-vet going back to that conversation we had about pre-vetting the professionals that we recommend to our clients. I want to make sure everybody's a good fit because nothing's worse than being miserable for a year in your planning process. So while yes, we plan, I plan events all over the country and for couples all over the country to come back to Nebraska. Um, there's also that fine line of not just taking an event because I really want the event. They've all got to be a good fit. Absolutely. And I, I, I want to elaborate on that. The good fit aspect is like I've implemented, like I told you, I've been doing sales training for this past week. Right. And so the biggest part of that has always been, do they, do they fit you well? But then like the more important thing is, 
do you fit them well? Right. So like it goes both ways. Like just cause, just cause they fit you well, or just because you fit them well, doesn't mean that the other one doesn't apply to apply it to the same degree. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's gotta be, it's gotta be that perfect Cinderella fit, if you will. Right. Cinderella in the shoe. It's gotta be that perfect fit both ways in order for everybody to be happy. You can be the perfect fit for a client, but if they're not a perfect fit for you, and let's say, I don't know, let's say they have a particular, um, I don't even know what I'm thinking of, but if, if they have a particular way that they want things done or their expectation, their expectation of the way something is going to happen is not realistic, then you've got to, you've got to just kind of, you know, we're not a good fit, but you might try this person or this person or this person. There's nothing wrong with saying no to a client or a client saying no to you, because maybe the way, maybe the way I structure, um, my communication plan isn't, isn't okay for them. Maybe they need more communication, almost over communication. That's fine. I may not be the best fit for you. I have certain days in my calendar that I do not work. I, I used to work sun up to sundown. I was burning my candle from both ends. Um, I have two kids. I have a husband. I have dogs. I have more in my life than just my company. And so I have to, that allows me again to serve my clients in the best way possible. I can't be burning myself out working every hour of every day. I have to have me time. I have to have that mental check where I'm like, you know what? I just need to take a step back, breathe a little bit, and then, you know, reapproach. So that's not always the best fit for everybody. They really want you to constantly be answering those emails or those text messages or those phone calls. I just, I know myself and I, I can't do that. So then, you know, that, that has to be that moment where, you know what, I might not be the best fit for you, but you know, you might try this planner or this person or this person, they would be perfect for you. And same thing for me. I might feel like I'm the best fit for this client, but you know, and vice versa, maybe it just doesn't work out well, or maybe that client really wants me to do their wedding, but maybe I don't feel like I'm the best fit for them. And so again, it's about making that referral and being like, you know what, try here or here or there. Um, so having, again, that network, that community over competition mindset is very, very useful in this industry. Um, one thing that I always say at the beginning of every call is, you know, like obviously, obviously during this call, I want to make sure that we're a good fit for each other. I'm a good fit for you. You're a good fit for me. But I always preface it with, preface it with saying, but if we're not, and if at the end of this call, we come to the conclusion that we're not a good fit, I promise you that I will find somebody who is a good fit for you. I will help you find somebody who's a good fit for you. And that's just, I guess that just comes with like, there's a scarcity and abund abundance mindset. Like, you know, like, like, like you said, if you're not, if, if you're not a good fit, I'm not scared to lose the client because I know that I'll still get them somebody who will be a good fit for them. But it's also the abundance mindset of like, we live in Nebraska. There's like thousands of wedding weddings happening every single day. Just cause I'm not a good fit with this wedding couple doesn't mean I'm not gonna be a good fit with the next wedding couple. Right. Right. And so I think that's one thing for people starting businesses, not just in the wedding industry, but just in general to keep in mind is just because say you get a client that you're like, I really want to, I really want to work this client, but they're not a good fit. And say maybe that relationship's going to make your life a nightmare. Maybe, maybe, right. You don't have to like work with that client. I'm not saying that in like the wedding industry in general, I'm not saying there's any wedding couples out there that would make my life a nightmare. You know, this could be the fitness industry. This could be, you know, like selling solar, it doesn't really matter like what the industry is, but just in general, this principle still applies. 
Oh, for sure. I think it's it's a universal principle. Honestly, it could work for bookkeeping. It could work for grocery stores. I mean, there are some grocery stores I don't like to go shop at because they're not, they don't have the produce I like or mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. You're going to fit, you're going to shop and you're going to purchase from even small businesses that fit your idea of what you're wanting. You want to make sure you're a good fit. You're not going to go shopping somewhere that you can't stand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I kind of want to bring this conversation more towards like, kind of like final thoughts for, you know, creatives and wedding couples. But if you could give your top piece of advice for anyone starting a business, let's just start there. What would that piece of advice be? For somebody starting a wedding business? Just starting a business in general. But I mean, since we're in the wedding industry, yeah, a wedding business. (laughs) You know, I think honestly, um, and I was thinking a little uh, back a little bit ago, the question you had asked me about something I believed before I started my business. I think this is kind of twofold. Um, It answers this question as well. Something else that I believed was that I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot of money doing this, right? Like I'm going to kill it. Just because you're going into business for yourself, don't expect it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's really not. You've got to invest time and education and energy and thought into what you're doing. And even, you know, a wedding, it's expensive, right? It's not, it's not going to be a couple bucks here and there. So you've really got to approach it with the aspect that this is going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, It's not going to be my main source of income right away. It's going to take time. It's an investment. So really taking the time to look at it from that aspect and prepare, be prepared for what you're getting into, I think is key for a lot of businesses. And I don't, it doesn't matter what industry you're in really preparing ahead, I think is what's going to set you up for success in the future. Absolutely. You want to build a good foundation first, right? Before you start. Absolutely. Having that good foundation, but also knowing that you're going to have to have that this is, you know, every great business venture in my mind kind of starts out as that side hustle that slowly evolves into being that full-time dream career type of a situation. Absolutely. I can, I can definitely relate to that in the aspect of like, I've been doing weddings for three years now personally. And it was like every single year I was trying to teach myself something new. And that kind of applies back to the whole idea of building a good foundation is, you know, as those three years went on, I realized that maybe I was lacking in sales, right? So like I mentioned before, now I'm doing sales training and it's helping a lot because at the end of the day, if you're your own boss and you start your business off, it's typically most often it's just you starting this business right now. So you are the bookkeeper, you're the salesperson, you're all, all that. So like building those skills, exactly. So building those skills where you actually know how to sell and you understand what a sales structure is. Cause I think having a good structure in sales is like one of the number one things to like be successful in it. Right. If you just try to wing it, which is one thing that I learned, it doesn't work out the best. And so building a good sales structure, but also maybe learning how to keep simple accounting books because that is a part of it. You know, um, developing good disciplines is just all these little things like all apply to having a good foundation. And then once you get that, which is like, I had a conversation with Steven and he said kind of the same thing was like, if you build that, And then once you, then you can start to build up, right? And then you can start doing whatever you want to do on top of that. But it's like just in business in general, have a good foundation. Yes. It's all about, I think it's all about the foundation you build and the pre-planning that you're doing in order to build that success later on. 
I think everyone needs to go back and take notes from both of us because we both just spit out flames like an absolute dragon. That was amazing. Yeah. Perfect. So Audra, I want to say really quick, thank you so much for like being a part of this interview and like agreeing to do this because I think that you also have like a lot of knowledge um, in your industry and this industry in general and business to be able to like give to our audience. Um, Cause I know a lot of people have DM me and they've, they, you know, they've said like, they really appreciate our podcast for just like the aspect of like the business side of things, but also wedding couples because they're like, wow, this helped us have some insight into like what we need to know as far as wedding planning goes. And so I think that's really, really, really important. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. So just as kind of as a final note, where can people go to find you? So I am on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Same, same um, name. It's just dream big events, Nebraska. And so you can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then my website, www.dreambigevents.net. Love that. Love that. And that'll all be linked in the show notes for you, Audra, so that people who are listening to this can go and they can just click the link and go give her a follow. So make sure you do that. Follow her, like the, the most recent post that's on there and just show some love for her. So with that being said, guys, if you want to check us on, in, or on Instagram, you can check us out at Buttoned Up Weddings. Like she said, it's the same thing on all platforms. So it'll be really easy to find for you guys. We'd love some support on this podcast. Like I said, share it because that's the only way that we can grow. And make sure that you take the notes that you took, go back, highlight what you need, and get out there and make the perfect day.